Well, get everyone. It's Wesley here from Business Blessings, and it's episode thirteen of our Sacrificial Succession podcast. Paul, we're back again, which is fantastic. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's good to see you again, and um, we have a guest, which is even better. I think <laughs> exactly that's right. So, Paul, you know Dilly much better than I do. Can you introduce her? Yeah, us? sure, sure. So, um, I do know Delhi. Um, <laughs> In fact, Delhi was our first employee in Indonesia. Um, so she helped set everything up, uh, started as a contractor and eventually became an employee. So I'll just hand it over to you, Delhi, to just uh, briefly introduce yourself and explain a little bit about the sort of work that you do. Yeah, I'm uh, working with CV. And I've been working for more than 15 years. And I'm now uh, Impact Nation Manager for Indonesia. And I'm just done with uh, our project in Sumatra just last year and still continue with another project until end of this year uh, in Eastern of Indonesia. Then I'm, I'm in contact with many pioneers, people uh, in the, on the field, and also some partners uh, in Sumatra Island and also Eastern of Indonesia. I think that's all. <clears throat> sure. So we call you Delhi. That's kind of a nickname, right? Um, your What's yeah. your full name? My full name is Desalina Natali. Yeah. <laughs> so I make it short, Delhi. Yeah. That's good. That's good for Western tongues. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, good. that's good. Well, <clears throat> you know, uh, Paul and I be working on this sacrificial succession podcast, and the reason why we wanted to bring you on is it's one thing for Paul to talk about it, but it's another thing mm-hmm. to have people on the ground who who live and breathe this uh, this philosophy, this way of ministry. So we're so glad that you can join us today. So our first question for you is, what have you learned about sacrificial succession from your work in Indonesia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sacrificial succession is a new paradigm, actually. And this is also a new paradigm for not only for me, but also for our partners and uh, field workers. For me, this is a good strategy if we want to be multiplied and continue the movement. <clears throat> Unfortunately, most of our partners and uh, pioneers were doing the church uh, planting and stop there, not, uh, not move to next step because they just uh, satisfy with, hey, we have this building, we have this community and that's all. So no movement there. So they didn't raise new local leaders to lead and they didn't have any successors after all, because they satisfied there. Sacrificial succession is one of the way to start the movement among the target people. In this case, the unreached people group. The indication if we have done this sacrificial succession is we have new local leader who lead the local community of indigenous people. And this is 
hard to do for those who wants to own their project and doesn't want to hand this over to local people. I met a very good organizations, I think big organizations in Indonesia. Uh, they have reached a very good numbers of results from the UPT, um, but they wanted to control and lead their community and they don't want to work together with the local community because they don't trust, uh, they don't trust them that they can handle uh, this new community as they do. So I learned if you want to apply sacrificial succession, there are some, some steps to do or something that to, uh, we have to prepare. We have to set our mind that this is not our own project, but God's project. We cannot do it alone. We need others to work together. And secondly, we have to be humble because we will handing, we will hand over the leadership, our leadership to local leaders and trust them to lead their people. So that's what I learned about uh, sacrificial succession. Mm-hmm. Delhi, that's a very good perspective on things. That this <laughs> actually warms my heart listening to that because it's, like you said, it's not about controlling the people on the ground, but it's about um, releasing them and multiplying and growing and and letting go in some respect. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's a very different paradigm to the way a lot of other organizations work mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it is whereas and you know mm-hmm. when delhi and i were starting out this project one of the most consistent things that we heard from the experts was that it will never work mm-hmm. for the reasons that delhi explained that it did work and that was you know you really can't trust these local people Uh, You've got to remember they're from a different religious background than us, Um, you you know, and you do realize that um, the the organizations that you're working with, they've never worked together before that you'll never get them to work together. Um, And yet these are the two things that we have always found are the key to sacrificial succession working. Uh, is exactly what Delhi said is it's that willingness to trust you know local people or trust the next generation who you do not have a high level of trust in let's be honest and then secondly it's the willingness to work together in partnership with those that as a rule we tend to compete against the thing that I love too is you've been doing this for 15 years. This is not this is not a fly by night. This is not something that you've just recently implemented, but you've been doing it since the beginning and you're seeing those results. Yeah, and the other thing to add, you know, we've talked about this a number of times Wes is that you know a lot of a lot of the response to this when we share it is oh, but you know, uh, it's it's too difficult 
uh, you know, for us to do it. Well, I can assure you the situation where we worked in Sumatra is not a situation that any of our people outside of the third world will have ever have, have ever faced. I can assure you. <laughs> yes. See, Delhi, can you give us some examples of, of what has happened as you have applied sacrificial succession and, and how it has made the work much more effective there? Um, how did it work? Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, we, had, we had a partner in MCT, let's say MCT, and we had some field workers in a city who are doing a counseling counseling center as their platform uh, there. A city is a very strong and radical area. I discussed the situation to uh, the leader from MCT and I explained what they are doing there, what the people uh, on the field doing to uh, to reach people there. And then the, these field workers uh, need support and backup to continue their movement. Then this leader decided that they will support them to, in order to continue their movement. Support here means that not only fun support, but also spiritual support, because uh, the the worker in a in a strong and radical places needs backup from other places, other areas. So, uh, one of their program from this leader, they will invite all the workers come to uh, out from their city, and they. And just get the fellowship and uh, like pray together and do anything together there. So this can make them stronger in faith to go back there and doing their, uh, their work again there. So this is the example. Another example is coming from a businessman who supported our uh, field workers in B area. B area also strong. And radical, many uh, many people are hard to get insight there. So uh, they have to find any strategy. How can they get into there, into their area, and stay among them, and even can touch them, have a re- good relationship, building a relationship with them. So <clears throat> these uh, pioneers they develop a small business in that area to get an acceptance from the people. And they produced uh, Moringa tea. Then they employed some people from there. So this also helped the people there feel that, oh, we have job, we have income from them. That's what they need. Yeah. And then uh, after that, uh, they... Uh, the one of the businessmen heard about this, heard about this uh, business, and 
his instinct as a businessman that what can I do to help them grow and continue their movement. So when when we start to uh, connect both of them, so the pioneer said that we need the machine because we want to produce this more, uh, many production. Many people already give us much order for that. So from the businessman said that, okay, I will provide I, I will provide this machine for your uh, business. And this is another type of support. They don't give the money. They don't give like back um, support, like spiritual one, but they give a tool that they can continue their production and then they can continue to stay there and then they continue their movement. So both examples showed we can work together. Each of them play their role or their part so that the movement can be continued. So that's examples. So Delhi, in doing that, you're you're not just handing stuff to people, you're not handing just money to people, those things, but you're mm-hmm. training them up. You're showing them the way things to be done. You're supporting them, encouraging them, and preparing the way for them to lead. Is that what I'm yeah. hearing you say? Yeah. yeah. And become sustainable. So you know, it's all very well and it's right to prepare people for leadership and hand over to them as successors. But if you're not helping them to become sustainable, then you're putting them into a place where their reputation and their position in that place is based on their ability to be productive and in a sense to have a reason to be there Um, because People of other religions and faiths, especially in a radical area like that, they're not just going to accept people who stay there Mm -hmm. and there's no form of income or production. That raises a whole lot of question marks in people's minds. Uh, You know, why are they here? What are they doing? Who's Mm -hmm. supporting them? What's their agenda? Whereas here, we're able to sustain a movement because we're preparing successors who are not just trained up as good leaders and spiritually, but they're trained up practically to be able to run sustainable businesses. And, you know, that's the benefit as we've talked a number of times, Wes, of having entrepreneurs directly on the board of trustees and so that they can advise. They're not just there as money bags. (laughs) They're there to be able to look into exactly what Delhi was saying, see an opportunity, they're able to add value to that opportunity and help to make that sustainable. And those are some of the examples. Other examples are de-radicalization activities. Uh, Delhi mentioned the, a, a place starting with A. Um, we had former guerrillas um, who were involved in all sorts of um, things like kidnapping and drug running and, mm. and uh, extortion. And now they're productive members and some of the ex-fighters themselves have actually become successors and they're going out and uh, multiplying themselves uh, in a place that used to be full of conflict and violence and killing. Now there's been a much greater peace building um, 
measures going on and it's um, much more peaceful than it was before. See, it's um, the thing that I like about that too is that you're actually listening to the people that are on the ground. You're hearing Mm -hmm. what their heart is and you're supporting their dreams and their visions rather than coming in and saying, this is the way to do it. We're working with you. We're encouraging you. We're building you up so that you can succeed. Yeah. And I'll give you a practical example. Delhi will remember this well. One of those big organizations that she was talking about, which are probably one of the most successful, actually, uh, in terms of training people. So it's really important to understand sacrificial succession is not about producing trainees, people who are trained to do something. It's about producing successes because when we talk to this organization, I think the second most successful in that field in Indonesia, maybe the first, my question was, if you're in Sumatra, how many of your current workers or contractors are from the local indigenous people that you're impacting? Out of 80 full-timers, I think at the time he said there were two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you, you sound shocked and rightly so. Uh, I would suggest that, as Delhi said, this is a very common issue yeah. uh, in many, many places. And by Indigenous, in this case, we're talking people from Indigenous ethnic backgrounds. But you think about the companies that you work with, Wes, and you think about the Indigenous, by that I mean the the children. Yeah. <laughs> of those people in the company. I don't mean biological children. I mean the next generation that they've raised up from scratch who can potentially take over for them. Mm. I bet anything, those ratios are pretty low as well. So I just challenged him in the nicest possible way and said, listen, if you want to impact the nations that you're working amongst, how can you do that? when all of the bosses or the managers or the leaders are people from other ethnic groups and you're not handing over to them. So, you know, this is something that we've been very intentional about. And I tell you what, it has not come without a lot of um, very intentional, challenging situations. I think Delhi can probably share briefly Uh, And I very intentionally stayed out of the meeting because I didn't want to be the one influencing it from afar. But there was a meeting of the top leaders when we were first starting out our project. And Mm -hmm. I tell you what, at that point, they were not getting on very well together. Yeah. Um, Delhi will remember that. I think it was a meal in a a restaurant or a hotel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was the time when... Uh, I wanted to start to uh, introduce this sacrificial succession to uh, some leaders who are also our partners. Then I get them together for uh, the dinner time, and then uh, each of them like see each other. Who are you? <laughs> Something maybe their questions. Who are you? And then I I invited them, and they come from the different denominations and also different movements. And religious and, backgrounds. <laughs> and yeah, religion background. And then they just, uh, maybe in their mind, they, they were thinking that 
what is this? What what are they doing? And then why am I here? Maybe. <laughs> and then at the first, the situation is was so awkward. It's like quiet, no no words. And then I started to uh, yeah to explain the purpose of this meeting. And then I introduced one by one why they are here. And then uh, I also share our vision. Uh, and then I also share uh, uh, that we we need to work together as a part of the body of Christ. And then uh, I ask them to share what they are doing. Then one by one start started to share what they are doing. And the the situation is it's like the icebreaker. Then each other listen. And then they find out that they are actually in the same page, but just coming from the different background or different denominations. Then after that, they they can work together and then they started with any ideas like, hey, I have the people here, but I can handle them. I can follow them up. Can you do this? Yeah, so start with that and then and then we go with this uh, this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Delhi makes it sound easy. <laughs> it wasn't, but it's a really important emphasis because everywhere we've worked, we've brought people together where the prediction has always been that you'll never get it to happen. In fact, I had one entrepreneur in Myanmar tell me. When I first told him, I said, you know what? We have 25 denominations or organizations working together. And he said, look, I'm sorry, uh, but I don't believe you. Um, (laughs) And he was a good friend of mine. He said, look, I don't believe you. And he said, it's not possible. He said, I can't even get three different churches working together. Um, And so I said, come and see. And so he did. And he was amazed. And same with this, what, what we did in Indonesia. And the, the reason that's important, apart from that unity brings blessing, is that as Delhi explained, when you're working in volatile, challenging, dangerous situations, you need to get the local intelligence that all of those people bring And if you don't have them working together, you're not going to hear, you know, someone say, "Uh, by the way, did you know that this people, these people or this situation, you can't trust them or be careful with them. Um, You need those levels of trust in a volatile and dangerous uh, place. And I suggest that even in more, um, you know, safer, more peaceful environments, business is still a very cutthroat and 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 challenging and competitive area we need all the good partners and partnerships that we can have and yet so often we don't do that because of a perceived difference and we're the poorer for it and in our case we just could not afford to um, take those risks to be frank we we had to have you know i think we had about 18 or 20 organizations working together as Delhi said when they first came together uh, they were looking at each other like who are you Um, and at the end of it 
uh, we had such great fellowship and such great teamwork that, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of them said, you know, this is, this is just amazing. We're, we're, we're please continue to do this. So th- the scripture that we've got for this today, which I haven't read is John 15, 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Dilly, that's really what you and Paul are talking about here. It's a laying down of your life for those people uh, and enabling them to succeed more than you succeed. But, but as they succeed, you succeed as well. Doing that. So, so it's really good to see. So, are there any other stories that you want to share about how how you learned this and how you personally struggled even with the uh, with the concept of sacrificial succession? Yeah, at first, uh, this is uh, as I mentioned before. This is the new paradigm for me, and I take this as a challenge for me that because I I think that this is a good way how to uh, encourage people, how to like make the, uh, to do the breakthrough uh, between the conventional thought of some people or some partners. So for me, uh, sacrificial succession is uh, one of the way how to, uh, how to start everything with the humility and not put our um, not put ourselves as an important part, but put other people as the important for us. Anything we uh, we think or any strategies we want to make, we don't just make like that. But we uh, we consider all opinions from our partners because they are the people on the field. They know better than me or power. So we need them. We need their inputs. And then we need to consider this. And then we can work this together with the people in the world, in the in the field. That's good. So um key is listening. And I'm hearing um that a lot actually as I over the last couple of weeks in various situations I've been in is the power of actually listening to people and listening to what they're saying and then considering and then helping them and growing them and building them from that. So Dilly, somebody else, let, let's speak to the person who's listening to this, who's maybe in, uh, in an organization that's thinking we need to uh, start to expand and multiply and, and seeing, seeing their movement grow but at the moment, it's they're very controlling. They're not. Um, they're not doing what you're doing. Let's say that. What is the advice that you would give them? Where do they start? How do they grow this? How do they develop the? What do they need to learn themselves? Um, yeah, to start this, we we need to have a model, the role model. So that's why. We have like the advisor board who uh, consists from different 
denominations, uh, background, and also different religion background, and they but they are in the same page, move together in a one destinations and one goal. So we need this uh, this sample, the this model, so people can see. Oh, they can do it, so we can do it as well. So this is the the important thing to create such as a unity because if they see our advisor board has this unity it means this will be the good thing so some uh, some good things can be applied to them and they can they can feel the impact of this uh, advisor board so anyone can come to them and just ask the advice because we trust them it's like it's it's more like the trustee for this movement uh, they can trust them and they can ask what to do in different uh, perspective because we have different background there as an advisor yeah can i just so add I think, to that yeah where's sorry yeah, yeah. yeah just to explain mm-hmm. practically because you've mentioned a couple of times in our podcasts and rightly is that you know the challenge that a lot of people face who want to implement sacrificial succession is that they don't have the board or they don't have the executives or trustees to support them so in Indonesia when Delhi and I sat down to structure this this project and just to keep the an idea of numbers so we had around about 20 partner organizations um, and around about uh, 180 to 100, the numbers fluctuate, full-time contractors on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just gives you an idea of, of numbers. And so what we did was we decided uh, in Indonesia that we would have um, very limited terms for our advisory board or trustees um, for the re- exact reason that Delhi mentioned is so that we could find role models who reflected or represented the values of sacrificial succession as we mm-hmm. went over the years. Remember, we, this was about a 10-year project, a little bit more actually with the pilot. Um, so that, you know, when we, were, when we say got to the sacrifice stage where we were looking to hand over leadership to successors, we had represented on the board people who were role models in that area. In other mm-hmm. words, they were champions of that and everybody could look to them, as Delhi said, and ask advice. But secondly, they could also look to them and see authenticity. So, you know, it wasn't a consultant telling them this is what you should do with sacrificial succession when the consultant wasn't doing it themselves. This was this, these were people who had done it. And so they could look up to them and say, okay, well, if so-and-so has done it, so can we, there's our role model. And we also knew that they would then help us to make decisions at that particular time an important time in our project where it's about we're wanting to hand over to that next generation in time to sustain them we had the right people on the board and so we wrote into our um 
into our articles of association for that particular organization, limited terms, maximum of say two year terms. Um, and those terms um, were revolving. In other words, the same person didn't hop on the board again after two years. As a rule, we just we change just about every person except for a couple um, because they tended to bring stability. You know, they, they, they got our vision. And as Delhi said, they were perfect role models throughout. Um, but that, I think that's a really important practical note is that you need to sometimes write into your operations um, some of these practical points so that you get the right people at the right time being role models for what you want to achieve because otherwise you get the wrong people they're going to constantly put the brakes on what you want to do um and you can't move forward that's uh paul what you're saying is very very key because when you're writing it into like your articles you're being very intentional about the way that you want to do and then also you've got a um going to use the word plumb line as to like when you're selecting advisors or even people within your teams and things like that say this is the characteristics we're looking for yeah so i think it's important to 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 you know we've talked about this that within sacrificial succession there's the serve sacrifice and sustain stages yes and if we're thinking about that intentionally moving through these stages then that gives guidance to someone like Delhi about actually the composition of the board or the trustees that are gathered together at that particular time in the life cycle of the project or, or the operation. Yeah. So no, no, that's very good. Well, guys, we, we are rapidly running out of time here, but this is very good. Delhi, is there any final comments, anything that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to say yet to encourage people? <laughs> um, yeah, at the first, when uh, I want to apply this sacrificial succession, I felt discouraged because I met some people that they don't accept this. Uh, but yeah, Paul encouraged me as well that, oh no, you will find, you will to find the right people to do this. And yes, I did. I found even many among them. And this is not because I have my network or I, I met these people. This is because God just guided me to meet these people. So just put uh, in our mind that uh, whatever we do is not from our strength. It's not because we have the skill, we have the network, or we have the we have anything to do. But actually, this is coming from God. Everything that coming that coming from God will be a good way. And something it it becomes a surprise for me. Like I was surprised when I see that wow, we can have this unity from the diversity from the very uh, different backgrounds and they can work together. And this just tearing me, you know, make me tearing and then just praise God for this. Yeah. yeah it's, it's See, you know, and I think that's one of the things Zoe, that I'm picking up as we go along week by week in this 
is that as we actually set our mind on God and and his plan for multiplication, because like what we're talking about here is is actually bringing us back into alignment with the way God wants things to be done in reality. So that means that as we set our heart to that, that God will start to bring those people in and bring those people forth because he knows. He knows the ones he's already got there, but we need to open up ourselves to that to receive them Mm -hmm. as well, which is what you're saying to us there. That's great. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Sorry, Wes, I just want to add one thing, you know, especially to our listeners to perhaps just appreciate the enormity of the work that Delhi has done. Yes. Um, remember, we're talking about her operating in what is a very patriarchal culture yes. and society. But in the radical area where she worked and where the project was set up, remember, this is a huge island, second largest, no, is it the third largest island yes. in Indonesia? Uh, it's a massive uh, population uh, three times larger than um, Australia's. This is massive. And this is a lady predominantly working with strong men mm-hmm. to set up um, a project. Not easy when most of the time they're not particularly interested in uh, talking through and making decisions with women and even moving board members around a woman making those decisions. You know, we just appreciate the enormity of the work uh, that Delhi did. Why? We'll often say in English, the best man for the job in this case was absolutely a woman, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. De- Delhi, do you want to make any comment about that? Because it, it is, it's, um, it's not easy. It's yeah. I'll, I'll let you speak. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy. I I mentioned this many times to Paul that I feel uh, discouraged because I'm a woman and I'm I will work among the men and those men doesn't believe uh, of the women leadership. So <laughs> this this just make me uh, discouraged. But yeah, I, I have some people that who prayed for me and then it's just flow like that. And then, and then I can see uh, the result of this, that God really uh, choose his people to lead, but not see the gender. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, Delhi, to end up today, can I ask you to pray for those? Because there will be women <laughs> in, in a similar situation who need strength, an encouragement like you have, um, but but people of all, all genders actually, who um, who were seeking that. So, can you pray for them for us as we finish off? Yeah. Today? Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we are so thankful for uh, this conversation, and uh, we want you to bless this conversation and be a blessing for many people who listen to this program. I pray for uh, those people out there who are leader and who has hard to, to has the movement for their project or 
they're what they are doing now, especially for uh, the women leader who feel discouraged at this time. But we're thankful that uh, you use this time, this conversation to bless them, to encourage them so they can do even better than what they think because you already chose them as a leader. So I pray that this uh, topic for today can be a blessing for them and then uh, they can apply it in their daily uh, daily life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Deli. So thank you so much, Paul. Uh, for those listening, if you have not as yet downloaded Paul's book, then go to sacrificialsuccession.com and you can make yourself mm-hmm. available there. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week, Paul, when we look at episode 14. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.